Welcome to Mutant or Minority. Uh, thank you for finding our podcast. Um, especially, I want to thank anyone who either downloaded or streamed our first and second episode. Um, by now, many issues that our communities have been working on have become worse since our last post. For one, the increasing overt racism coming out of the White House, most recently expressed against the Lakota Sioux Nation of American Indians by further defiling their rights and land in the form of a Mount Rushmore Fourth of July celebration. As well, children and families are still incarcerated at our border, languishing under circumstances that make them more susceptible to infection from COVID-19. Not to be outdone, recent statistical revelations have proven what we all have long since known. Ex-Latino and African-American communities are contracting COVID at three times the rate of our white counterparts. There are no easy answers or a panacea for these circumstances, but we can identify and diagnose the entrenched socioeconomic structures that have placed our friends and families in the path of this disease. Until we are able to reverse centuries of engineered structural violence, racism, and sexism, until we are able to properly reparate our indigenous communities and truly rescue the refugees that arrive at our border, we can donate, we can inspire, we can volunteer, and we can march even. And hopefully, we can remember to venerate and show deference to our essential frontline workers. But whatever we do, and whatever you do, wear a mask. It's a dangerous business, Barack Obagans, walking out of one's front door. Let's get into it. The road is a fork, consider the choice. Everyone has influences, role models, and heroes. Kerouac had his, and so did Hemingway. You gotta write your way to your real voice. You gotta write your way to your real voice. The only way to find your style is to do it for a while. Rome wasn't built in the day. Bukowski wasn't famous until he was a dirty old man. Patience is the plan. Poem after poem after poem after poem. Open up your soul. Go. Have a go. Read the masters, the greats from the past. All right, well, let me get started. Uh, welcome to Meet Your Minority. My name is Jared Birdsong. I also know as the first black mayor of the Shire, Barack O'Baggins. Um, hanging out with me tonight is my man, uh, Jared Sams. Yo. And here it is. All right, cool. Yeah, that's All me. Right. I was going to say, I just you said my name and I had to respond. I, I apologize. Is that how you normally respond? People say your name? Like you, you know, I, I use yo a lot. And I'm not sure like if that's a bad or good thing. Like I feel like like I'm watching The Wire and they use yeah. yo as a pejor- as like a pejorative. And it yeah. makes me feel like, well, I use yo. Like, what the fuck, man? Like that's <laughs> it, it insults me, you know? It depends on who you're talking to. I mean, if you're talking to people who only speak Spanish, they're thinking that you're a pretty much an asshole because you're always talking about yourself. Um <laughs> So, uh, anyway, also hanging out tonight is um, a close friend of mine, my man Frank Escamilla. What's up, Frank? How you doing? How you doing, Frank? I haven't said around a nickname Escamilla here. Perfect. Ready to do this. Let's do this. Professor Mex. Uh, anyways, um, hey, real quick. So we're gonna um, we're gonna try to be for all of our listeners who listen to our previous podcast. You've noticed that we have a tendency to ramble about um, our own personal interest. So we're gonna try to keep it short. And we're going to run around real quick and see what everyone's um, doing and getting into these days, if anything. So uh, I think Frank went first last time. So, Jared, what about you, man? Oh, you made me go first? Yeah, uh, I, I you don't want to. Oh, man, like, uh, 
I'm actually I'm actually reading. Uh, last week I was reading Bendis's Spider-Man run. This week I'm reading Bendis's uh, Legion of Superheroes run. Yeah. Um, I guess you know the, the the common thread there is I'm just catching up on old books that I haven't read yet. Yeah. Um, but I like it. It's like uh, it's just I mean, you guys familiar with Legion of Superheroes? It's literally a book that takes place in the, I think the 31st century. So it's like right. a thousand years or whatever away from uh, from our current time. And uh, I, I mean every iteration of the book is essentially about you know a United Nations of young people who yeah. are all superheroes who have agency in shaping the direction of their society. Yeah. Uh, and so it's like this real, really high concept sort of sort of idea of like, hey, what if like young people had all the power and what if young people actually made the rules and, and uh, got to forge uh, their own future? Um, and so, yeah, it's, it's, it's great. It's cool. It's fun. You know, like, like it's, it's not like, you know, it's not like the best comic ever, but there's something again like Superman stuff from last week. There's something about existing in a world that's better than ours that I just need right now. You know, I just need some hope. You know what I mean? Give a brother some hope, and a brother will pay five bucks for your book. You know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, so yeah, that's that's pretty much what I'm reading. I've actually and I, I watched uh, on Apple Plus. I watched a, a series called. Um, for all mankind, it's uh, Ronald D. Moore. You guys know who Ronald D. Moore is. Ronald D. Moore is he's like the guy who who uh, who created uh, the Battlestar Galactica reboot. Oh wow! Um, yeah, yeah, I think Outlander. I, he he. I haven't seen that show, but I think he did that show as well. Um, so he's a, he's the creator of this show, and it's essentially about uh, a, a alternate timeline where America never got out of the uh, the space race, right? So like Russia was the first ones to land on the moon you know the first man on the moon was a russian um and uh and yeah and it's about america and russia fighting to to put stakes on the moon and again it's it's this idea of like this world that we don't live in you know where that's full of kind of hope and this idea of like oh what if we stayed in the race and tried to make humanity better like what if that was what we did instead of you know uh the, the the future we or the you know the past we actually had, um, so again it, 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 it's it's a really good show. Um, uh, at some point they send women into space like and it was it's like a big thing and um, so it's a little bit like do the it's a little bit like uh, the right stuff, uh, but also a little bit like a league of their own in some in some ways. But and and you see that they're building to this reality where like they keep on building towards going deeper and deeper into space so you, you so it's not very sci-fi right now right now it feels very historical but you could definitely see at the end of the season and even into future seasons <clears throat> of it just being this like this show about what it takes for humanity and what place we have to be in to get to the point where we're we're, we're, we're going beyond the bounds of our own solar system we're going into the galaxy and and what kind of society uh, we would have to build to get to that point um yeah, it's it's some uplifting stuff. It's cool. It's 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 well, well worth the watch if you have Apple Plus, which means no one here has Apple Plus, so no one's gonna watch. Yeah, it. yeah, but I know. Yeah, but if you can find a way to watch it, you should check it out. If you know, before we get to Frank, I would say that in Disney's um, defense um, about you know Disney Plus, what's going on with Apple Plus shows you the benefit of entrenched longevity when it comes to some of these corporations right i you know apple for all of its wealth um doesn't have the institutional and social 
um, depth that Disney does, right? Because Disney Plus, I mean, I don't know about you guys, how many times you've been on Disney Plus, but most of it's just their old catalog. Yeah. You know what I mean? Most of it's just their old catalog, but in terms of subscriptions, it's well beyond what Apple Plus is pulling down, right? I mean, obviously, it, go on. Oh, I'll say I, I bought a Mac. Uh, I upgraded my Mac uh, a couple months oh, ago, and, and it and it comes. The subscription comes free, so yeah. so that's literally the only reason why I even was even in a place where I can yeah. even watch this. You know what I mean? Like, it's. I mean, yeah, Disney owns everything, so uh, yeah, they, right. Just well, a I think budget. the fact that their their uh, subscriptions are so high is also because of uh, because of uh, Rona. Rona assisted in that, right? Because people are so nostalgic right now, they can't go to yeah. Disneyland. All these yeah. pass holders that they have to, they have to touch it somehow. And, and yeah. uh, but I mean the the <clears throat> the streaming service I, I've I've been on it a few times, and, and you're right, it doesn't have any new content, which is was vastly going to change with all this Star Wars content coming out, with all this Marvel and the, content coming and out. the Marvel stuff. Yeah, yeah, it's gonna it's gonna it's gonna blow up. It's gonna be um, well when my turn be a, a Titan. When my turn comes after we do Frank, I'm going to talk a little bit about Star Wars, but let's, go, let's hear what Frank's got going on. Yeah, I just want to say, too, I, that, you know, that's not so much a conspiracy. Uh, Jared Sam's, you know, I, I've heard things that I've heard. I've heard actually other stories and conspiracies that the Russians were the first ones on the moon. That, uh, <laughs> that, that our landing was happening in somebody's mom's garage. It was a nice little set they put together. But uh you know that's how much America fucked up that even Americans, even like white people are like, oh, that shit's fake. You know what I mean? Like, like, like one of the glorious moments of our, of American history, even like white people are like, nah. <laughs> you guys are definitely touching on right now the two things that I'm going to talk about in my part. So anyways, my, all right. So as far as reading, I started, I picked up, um, I'm reading this short story book by Stephen King, Everything's Eventual. Um, I find that short stories are more accessible right now, and I can finish them without feeling guilty of not yeah. not finishing a story. Um, and Stephen King's just a he's just a monster, man. I don't yeah. he's a beast. I don't understand how he he puts out so much content and and it's ridiculous. Yeah, <laughs> so much unique content, right? Like yeah, I don't mean to um, interrupt, Frankie. I apologize, but he has his own. MCU, right? Yeah, definitely. Yeah, it's all connected with his uh, his Dark Castle Rock, Rock, his main. Right. Uh, well, not only that, I mean, most of these stories are connected uh, to the the made up town that, like Castle Castle Rock, like the one that yeah. Stand by Me happened in, and you know, a lot Christine. of it just it's connected in this way. So I've been reading that, um, and then I I recently started rereading. Every time I'm getting nostalgic for good Star Wars stuff, man, I go back and read Dark Empire. Nice. Uh, you know, and, yeah, and, uh, yeah, I, I love it, man. That story, that story was phenomenal. I have the the uh, trade, so I've been I've been rereading that and that's smart. And, uh, enjoying it, man. I enjoy it so much, man. Luke in that was just he was just again he was another beast, right? Yeah, you know, and and the the idea of trying to defeat the dark side by embracing it was just it's just a phenomenal story. If you haven't read it, those listening, pick it up because it's worth reading. Um, and then as far as watching, I watched the first episode of Undone. Um, I think you mentioned that last week, Jared. Was it Undone that you mentioned? Or was it Upload? I forget. But, uh, Undone, Undone's I, the uh, Scanner Darkly type animated show, right? Where that's they, it. It's all rotoscope. The rotoscope? Yeah. yeah. Okay. Right. Right. I, I did see it. I don't think I mentioned it last week. But yeah. I, I haven't, uh, I saw, I, you know, I watched the first episode and it hasn't, it hasn't, uh, drew me in yet. 
But yeah. I usually give shows about three, three episodes before I decide if I'm gonna finish them or not. It's a slow burn. That's a show you definitely want to give a few episodes to get into. You know what I mean? Like, I think once you do, you'll get into it eventually, I feel like, but it takes a couple episodes, for real. You know, I tried watching that almost when it first came out, and I had the same thing. I haven't gone back. I watched the first two episodes, and just I forgot about it, because it just it didn't draw me in enough that, I, you know, I wasn't getting home and like, oh, I gotta start watching this again. Yeah, it doesn't, it doesn't, especially the first episode, I, I, didn't, I, I didn't connect. <laughs> Uh, to the story, to our protagonist. Yeah. Um, the the rotoscope is really strange looking. Yeah. Which I think which which I I'm assuming is going to help in the progression of the story. It does. You can probably do a lot of dreamscaping and like exactly. Um, yeah. But uh, but yeah, I'm, so I'm gonna give it another couple of episodes. And then lastly, man, I've been on this. I've been again rewatching uh, Buffy the Vampire Slayer, man. Yeah. Uh, bro, <laughs> Buffy, Josh Whedon like killed it with that show you know yeah. and so like for some reason i've just been uh i've been uh craving good storytelling and mm-hmm. uh and like with with strong characters right strong well thought out characters and and now part of my morning routine for the last week has been like rewatching some really some really dope episodes of, of uh buffy the vampire slayer oh. i'm with you on that because the thing about it is is that you know i started watching buffy later i think my wife i think buffy had already been out for several years before my wife and I started watching it. But the cool thing about it was, man, even late into its run, it was still good. You know, a lot of times, man, you can feel the downward slope on a lot of um, series that have gone past a certain number of seasons, right? You can just, you can see where it hit the arc, and you can feel it just going downhill. And I, there wasn't a, I still remember a point feeling that way about... I mean, obviously, some stuff, it, you know, begs a little bit of... um incredulity right because obviously somehow everyone in buffy's clique all of a sudden had some kind of connection to supernatural right except for what was the dude's name again xander bro xander xander but give xander props xander was going toe-to-toe straight up fighting vampires but it's time they always reference back to like this one episode where they where they were wearing uh, specific (laughs) halloween costumes and he was wearing a, a soldier costume yeah. And uh, I, I forget the episode, but someone like casted a spell or something, so they yeah. became their costumes. And after oh. that, Xander always retained the, the memory of that soldier. <laughs> yeah. That's how they got away with a lot. They're like, "Oh yeah, you remember your uh, your training from when you were dressed in a Halloween costume?" And he's like, "Oh yeah, I got it. Let's do this." <laughs> so that, I mean, even that, as, you know, that that's kind of silly. Was still, it was yeah. charming, right? It was yeah. charming in, a, in its way. So and that was always. Really charming that, that Xander was like this everyday schmo. He was he was uh, he was a nerd, right? He was a comic yeah, book no reading nerd, and and uh, and he he remained. I always wanted to see him get trained by Giles to be a watcher. That would have been cool. That would make sense. And who was the watcher that failed with um the other Buffy? I can't remember her name. Uh, with Faith. He went to be on Angel. Yeah, he was Rogue Demon Slayer yeah. Wesley. Yeah, that's it. Dang, Frankie's got a great memory for this, man. Right. Like Frankie's watching this shit right now. Right now. <laughs> but you remember that uh, it was slightly pro- more progressive than maybe the Generation X um, generation was ready for in many ways. Remember at that time, I think you had Will and Grace and Buffy, I think, that had predominant, that had gay characters in it that were regulars, right? Because remember, um, what was the, the homegirl that became a witch on the show? That was part of um, Willow. 
Willow, that was it. Remember, she had she was dating that girl in the show, and I mean, fairly progressive for a show at its time, right? Especially considering the subject matter, because the subject matter, in many ways, lent itself to a, a younger audience, which you would think would um, offend some stodgy parents, right? You know, they wouldn't want their kids watching a show that has um, a lesbian, a regular lesbian cast member. Anyways. Well, you know what was, you know what, and I'm just going to bring this up real quick. We don't have to get too much into it, but yeah, it's interesting that 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 that, that was accepted by the audience. Yeah, uh, and that, but so an ongoing theme was like, you know, when when a Slayer dies, another one is born, right? Yeah. And I don't know how many times Buffy dies in the show, right? But like that's how we get other Slayers coming. And the after she died the first time. Um, a slayer came and she was a black slayer. And she was a badass black slayer. She was only in about two, three episodes before they killed her to bring Damn. her faith. Right. So I would, that always bugged me, bro. You know, I was like, because she was, she was a, she was a badass. She was only there yeah. for, for a few episodes. And I was like, yo, why are you going to treat her like a horror movie yeah. and, and kill off the black slayer? Like, and then all these, these unskilled, you know, uh, characters are going to live till like season eight. Yeah. I've never, I've never seen Buffy, because, uh, because uh, I'm, uh, I'm an asshole. I, I apologize. I'm already, I'm, I'm gonna take my lashes here. But um, I read an interview or an article or something like that where I guess Joss Whedon was saying that I think like Faith was originally a black character, but because, like, because how he created the show was one where he wanted the characters to kind of be fluid in terms of like who's with who, that he wanted to be so fluid, and the network was so uncomfortable with, with potentially an interracial relationship between a character uh, that they made made him make it make her a white character. I think it was... Wow, I, said, I did I, not ever read I, that. I said, I did... I, I'm not familiar with the show, but it was it was one of the characters. And it wasn't Willow. I know... I remember Willow, but I think it was Faith. But it was one of the regular characters supposed to be like a black woman that, uh, that, yeah, the network was like, nah, we can't have that. Yeah, it's great to hear um, nearly 30 years after... <laughs> you know, Captain Kirk kissed you know, Ohora, right? Come on, man. And he couldn't admit it until, you know, 60 years after that or whatever. Yeah, no, it's fucked up, man. Buffy was in the 90s. I think oh, um, Kirk kissed Ohora in, what, like, 69? Yeah. Unintended, 68. Can't remember the year on that. But nonetheless, which was a tortured kiss. I don't know if you guys ever saw that. that <laughs> when Kirk kisses Ohora, it's not the way he kissed any of the green ladies. You know what I'm saying? Kirk, whenever he kissed a green lady, a blue lady, a yellow lady, man, he'd lean into it. But the way he kissed a horror, it was tortured. That man did, I don't know. That shit so was I'm history, gonna, man. It was I'm history, gonna, dog. No, no pun intended. I'm going to have to take my licks, too, though, because I've never watched Star Trek. Oh, yeah? Okay. Like, yeah, any be... Star Trek? Like, you talk, you're saying any Star Trek? Not even a movie? Any Star I Maybe, I, I, yeah, I saw the the J.J. Abrams, the first one that he directed. Oh, the one with uh, yeah, but other than that, I've never. No, I, you know, there were times when it was playing in the background. Yeah. Um, you know, and and of was you know of somewhere that I was, yeah. but I never had any interest in it. Oh, okay. Because you were so cool about not judging me for not seeing Buffy, I'm gonna be cool <laughs> with you not seeing Star Trek. But just so yeah, you know, yeah. I want to scream right now. Like I want to. I want to <laughs> like what the. Fu but I'm not. I well, just so you know, I'm silently judging you. Yeah. <laughs> you know the funny thing about so Frankie's one of those dudes that forced to choose, right? You know, there's all those cats that are, hey, you're a Star Wars fan or you're a Star Trek fan, right? 
and some cats were forcing you to choose and stuff. It's true. It's true that that was the case, you know. That was you. Uh, where where it was like, and I don't even remember the exact moment, but there was like <clears throat> that point where you choose a side. You can't yeah. be both, right? <laughs> and I was like, well, lightsabers or yeah, you took that I got you. All right, all right. Well, anyways, um, what are you talking about, Jared? Well, right now, oh, actually, I, I finished. I finished this book. Let me see. It's called The Untamed. It's pretty good. It's a huge graphic novel. It's called The Untamed. It's by. Let me see here. Let me try to remember who it is. It's uh, by uh, Sebastian Jones and Christopher Gardner are the other writers, and um, James Webster is James Webster is the artist. But um, it's pretty cool. It's a um, it's a it's a pretty cool book. Uh, and it's a, basically a book about redemption. It's just about this cat who, um, and this is not a spoiler for anyone who would ever think to read it. It's about this character, Niobe, um, and this, uh, this main character who dies. He's a restless soul when he dies. You know, he, he had done some evil prior to him dying. He had, um, his wife and daughter had been trying to turn him away from evil. Um, uh, and just about when he's about to make that decision, he dies. And but because of that same decision, he's allowed to come back and avenge himself. And from there, it's, it's about redemption and him kind of figuring out the right thing. And it's pretty cool. It's it's, it's a cool little book, man. This is with these people of color who wrote it. Um, the main character, um, Niobe, is a young, plays a this young black girl, and it's, it's pretty cool. It's called Untamed. Untamed, yeah. yeah. I just dropped it here in my closet. Wait, I let can't... me let me see the cover of that real quick. You guys see it now. Yeah. Oh yeah, I've seen that. I bought I've bought a book from those people. Yeah, wh yeah. what's the publisher's name? The publisher is on Stranger. What's it called? Str yeah, it's called Stranger, I think. Yeah, yeah, no, it's, they, yeah, it's called Stranger. They 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 have a whole line of like, you know, yeah. like a yeah, of uh of, of people or you know, uh heroes of color uh yeah. featured in these books and like even the creators are are, you know, uh people of color. Like it, it's they're doing the work out there, man. Stranger Yeah, yeah Stranger yeah. Comics it is. Actually, yeah. I remember I saw their booth as well. Uh, when was it? A couple years ago at, at San Diego Comic Con. Oh, for they real? Had, they had the model out there, the, the one yeah. that modeled for the for the uh, for the main character, Niobe. Ni 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 you said? Yeah. Well, it's what's her name from um, Hunger Games? Yeah. That um, the one who played the, the the little black girl who dies in the first Hunger Games. Can't remember her name. Which is one of the saddest moments in movie history, only tied with when in My Girl. When Macaulay Culkin dies, <laughs> it's about as bad as it Please tell me a sadder scene. And then a when Veda shows up and she's this like, dude. This dude has seen Schindler's List, and he's he's still sticking by Macaulay and Margaret. Yes. <laughs> okay, baby. I want to issue an official mutant or minority challenge. I want somebody to go back and watch my girl, and watch Veda. At the funeral where Macaulay Culkin dies, she comes in, she's crying. She's like, where's his glasses? He needs his glasses. That's right. Come on, man. Okay, forget it, man. You guys are ice cold. It don't even matter. I don't know. Bro. When when uh, when Mufasa died, kind of got uh -huh. more more than when Macaulay Culkin died. So. <laughs> All right, I, yeah, Mufasa was good, but I don't know about this. I did She's Shinder's List. I, I don't know, man. I watched this show, so this goes back to what you guys are talking about the um this conspiracy theory. I watched Space Force. Oh shit! Right, right. Yeah. That show is fresh because it's all one long dig at <laughs> essentially President Trump and his idea of Space Force. Yeah. 
The show really just spends a lot of time just mocking the whole idea of Space Force. And strangely enough, it actually has decent story arc about uh, Steve Carell is the main um, character and he plays the main character. I did I forgot to mention that. But he, he runs, plays the general who's placed in charge of Space Force. Say again? I was saying he runs Space Force. I was, yeah, yeah I was, he plays yeah, yeah. the general who's placed in charge of Space Force and he has a daughter um, that had to come with him to this new Space Force base out in the middle of nowhere. Meanwhile, his um, the woman who plays his wife, Phoebe from Friends, I can't remember her name all of a sudden, um, Don't give too okay. many spoilers, Jared. Don't give too okay, many spoilers. Okay, but yeah, okay, yeah, but they're slightly estranged. But you guys got to check it out. It's, it's it's a funny little mockery of, of the idea of space. Force. No, I saw it. Like I, I thought it was really funny, actually. You saw it? Okay. You no, know, well, I actually had to look up B B Wham B W A M. Yeah. I, I thought I thought he was kidding about it. Like there's no. a comedian. His name's Jimmy O Yang. Yeah. He's in like Silicon Valley and stuff like that. And Black he started talking about men. yeah, black women. Asian men being like the he's just talking about yeah they're the least likely pairing in like American culture but when they get together they're, they have the highest marriage race because they stay together like there's something about black women and Asian men that like when they actually like connect they 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 connect for for life kind of thing and I thought it was like I thought it was a joke I'm like oh that's really funny but I looked it up it's actually like a yeah. fucking thing like it's well, like it's actually a thing to look up and and sort of like oh well, shit I just start well. Was that? Was, right, it has sixty three, has six thousand three hundred members, right? Because I had to look it up too. But part of the impetus was because on um, those matching sites like Match.com and stuff like that, Asian men and Black women are the least likely, or, or the least likely to be picked or chosen or asked for dates. So that was part of the impetus of it. But you're right, man, because that whole scene where they're listening to K-pop in the car. Sorry, not to give too many spoilers. Which basically, you know, fed that whole discussion. Man, as soon as that dude said B-Wham, I'm like, wait a second. I gotta look this up. And it turns out it was all true, man. But pretty cool. Yeah, pretty yeah, cool. Yeah, no. It's a fun show. It, it's uh, yeah. it's cute. It's like, it's yeah. It's a fun it's... mockery or satire, right? Yeah, it, it's the guy who made The Office. And it, it's it's, it's kind of exactly what you want from something like that. Yeah. I, so I watched the first episode and it was hard to, to not see Steve Carell as Michael Scott. So it I'm gonna have to oh, yeah. oh, take man. a little bit of a. Uh, again, I need two, yeah. three episodes. But I was like, you, you know what's cool? What's cool about the show is the cast is really great. Like, there's so yeah. many funny people. John Ralphio, what's his actor's? I can't remember his name, but John, like John Ralph, Parks Rec, he's in it, and like, John I mean, Mal the whole excellent. John Malkovich is fucking amazing. Yeah, he's, he's great. Excellent. Yeah. That scene where they think that, um, where they play his song. You know what I'm talking about? Where they play his song. For everyone to listen to, I'm not going to get into it. That's it's it's an incredible scene, man, because it's yeah. super uncomfortable. <laughs> it's super uncomfortable. Uh, so, like Frank, you know what, man? I have to admit, when I need a little bit of escapism, I go back to Star Wars, and I went back to watch, starting from the second season, Star Wars Rebels. And you know what, man? I want anyone listening to this who is disappointed by our last trilogy. Even though I did like the first one, I still like Force Awakens, uh, but I was disappointed pretty much entirely after that. To go back and watch, go watch Rebels, I, I think that that's an underappreciated series. And the reason I say that is because the series does a great job of expanding the lore. Not just the lore of the Jedi, but also just the lore of the, of the universe that Star Wars exists in, right? And just the lore of the struggle. 
you would think that in real life, if Star Wars, if there was anything like Star Wars that could be real, this is how it would go, right? There's things that happen when J.J. Abrams, J.J. Abrams set the helm, or George Lucas himself, where there's all these little gaps of, of reasoning that we have to kind of basically fill in the gaps for them. But the cool thing about um, Star Wars Rebels is that they don't, they're not asking us to do that. They're showing you step by step the things that are going on. This is how Saw Gerrera became Saw Gerrera. And you could see, and basically on this series, you get to see his descent into madness, right? And then you also have this, the main character, Ezra, and his relationship to his Jedi, um, being a Jedi apprentice, and how that grows. It basically the, um, these uh, temptations to the dark side um, that are almost natural to some extent to Padawans because how frustration sets in, right? You know, I, you know, honestly, I could talk about Rebels the rest of the time, but like even like saw, like I love how Rebels kind of uh, associates itself with rebellion, right? Yeah. And even like talking about the ways you can rebel. Um, and, and they always feed, they always did such a good job for a show that kind of was marketed at children um, at sort of like presenting those options in ways that were like, there wasn't an easy answer. And, and the characters kind of knew that. Like even seeing Saul Guerrero talk about his more radical views of how to, how to make change compared to, you know, this nascent rebellion and how they want to enact change and like, and trying to figure out what what the balance is you know like wh when is too far too far when you're going up against essentially fascism right like, yeah, like yeah. i think i think that show did a surprisingly good job of sort of uh attacking that problem um it does a yeah better... and it also does a well, good job at but so and that that same uh point that you just made on, on a on a spiritual level right like he like um ezra ezra got the story that that ray should have had Right, his struggle with yes. the dark side, his 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 um his internal struggle, right, and and leading to somewhere where he had to overcome, like, to recognize that he was both yeah. dark and light, and to learn how to balance and navigate in the world with that information, right, and that yeah. was that was what the story was, and it got a lot of like I didn't get to watch it till late later in the game because I didn't have Disney H with XD, I forget yeah. what it was on Disney um, XD, you know, but when I did see it, I was like I was. I mean, it was amazing, and I was like, man, if they would have done it with the same animation and uh, that the Clone Wars had done it in, as well as had the, the same allowances that the Clone, the Clone Wars had, because I think it was, like, the difference between P and PG-13 or something. Yeah. Um, like, that, that would have been, like, an all-time favorite Star Wars yeah. show of all fans, right? But right, yeah. It does such a good job of expanding... Or just creating story arcs, even like with the character Rex, who's a former clone, you know, saying that, okay, yeah, clones have a relationship amongst each other, but all of those relationships amongst each other in the Clone Wars, or and maybe in the movie, but mostly in the Clone Wars, was just a military relationship. It all revolved around that, but in Star Wars Rebels, it expands on making them people with feelings that have aspirations that exist beyond just kind of shooting things and blowing crap up and stuff, man. It's... Yeah, they have regret, they have regrets, and I don't know. Yeah. Like that's that's still my favorite Star Wars TV shows because there's so much emotion into it. Like I love yeah. Clone Wars, but I mean, I think Rebels brings so much of that spirituality and that that journey, that arc of Ezra and all the characters, really. Uh, and also, I just love uh, the original trilogy. So all that fan service, just like, like, yeah, 
Darth, where Darth Maul ends in Rebels? I mean, are you kidding me? Like that, 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 oh my God. The final Darth Maul scene in Rebels is like one of the greatest scenes ever put on a TV screen. Like, like that, I don't want to spoil what his last scene is, but it's like, my, it's perfect. It's yeah. Star Wars perfection. I, I show people that out of context at like a party where we're all drunk and everyone's listening. Yeah. Even, even some people are in Star Wars are like, holy shit, that's. Yeah. It's a, it's Talk. amazing how that scene paid homage to so much about much. Star Wars. Yeah. Right? Like even even to down to George Lucas's influences, like Akira Kurosawa and yeah. Yeah. Samurai, right? Like it yeah. was just that one minute scene just yeah, I agree. It totally blew it, it blew the, the top off, man. It was it was so good. And and only only slightly behind was was uh, Ahsoka Tano's yeah. Um, oh. You know, entire story arc in that yeah. in that series. Oh my gosh! Yeah. yeah. Like I said, the rest of the podcast could be spent talking about Rebels. <laughs> Anyways, um, I think we better move on into the to the danger room. Yeah. Um. And. Anyways, um, check it. Um. Anyways, the danger room. Uh, we'll want to welcome all of our listeners into the danger room. Um, everything you see here is dangerous and simultaneously not real. <laughs> I never even understood that about the danger room. You know what I'm saying? It was like a holodeck in Star Trek, which Frankie God. hasn't seen. But all of a sudden, like, you know, things fear <laughs> in the danger room. It's Shi'ar technology. It makes total yeah. sense. It's Shi'ar yeah. technology, and yeah. it allows them to do all kinds of crazy shit there, uh, man. Uh, uh, so, Allow yourself to believe, you know? Like, see past your dark black heart and believe in... <laughs> Childlike wonder, my friend. I'm a revolutionary, so my heart's always been dark black. <laughs> the question I wanted to ask the two of you guys today, basically kind of how have we, over the past several years, when we read comic books, how do we look at not just the extrajudicial killings that happen, by some of, happen from some of our favorite characters, but how do we view the extrajudicial, basically, beatdowns that happen from some of our favorite characters, right? Because when we look at some of the things that have happened uh, in Black and Latino neighborhoods when it comes to police violence, uh, many of those things we see as, even if it doesn't result in killings, you know, a lot of them result in things that are they're humiliating, right? They mortify um, the people who, uh, to the people who live in those communities. There's a question to be, to be had there, I think, in, in the ways that we view comic books and how we view fantasy and anyways i just wanted to ask you guys that question i know that for me my one of my top five um characters in comic books is the punisher i mean like it's weird the more i get into like the older i get the more a character like batman doesn't work for me as a black man in america right like like as, as the world changes the more batman becomes like problematic in my mind whereas like the punisher never does right because the punisher the punisher i always felt like never claimed to be what you know like you know there's a lot of cops and marines military they they wear uh, the Punisher symbol, uh, you know, on their bodies and pins or whatever, whatever, uh, to represent them. But the Punisher's never really been about that, right? Punisher isn't about law and order. The Punisher yeah. is about going around law and order. The Punisher is a criminal. The Punisher is someone who you don't look up to, right? Like, like he's someone who, like, I love Garth Ennis's 
run on the Punisher. Garth Ennis, yeah. he's like a Scottish writer, wrote the Pre- yeah. Preacher and a bunch of other amazing uh, seminal comic book works. But uh, his take on the Punisher uh, is one where, one, it's it's satire, right? One, he, yeah. either he treats him as a, a satirical character, he's, com- he's kind of commenting on just violence in general, uh, and, and just how ridiculous America is about violence in general. Yeah. Uh, but uh, he also has a run on the character that's more serious. It's called Punisher Max. It was done through America or through Marvel's a more adult line. Where yeah, he, treats the, he treats the Punisher as a cathartic release. He treats the Punisher as here's this like threat to to society that is not easily solved, like, you know, um, like white slavery or just slavery in general, right? Just like, you know, women being sold for money or the, the drug war or, you know, just these things that aren't easily, easily solved. And he just sets the Punisher loose on it as the boogeyman who doesn't even have an arc. He's just the guy who, who's blowing it all up. And and you, you get to revel in that for a second yeah. to be like, oh, man, what if what if it was this easy? But like, but you never forget that it isn't this easy, right? Like, like this is just what the Punisher does because he's a sociopath and there's all the, there's problems that go with that as well. But like, like I said, it's a cathartic release in that nature. But someone like Batman, you're like, this dude's a billionaire and he still lays down fucking beatdowns on yeah. poor people every single night, you know? And, and and they try to like to wash it away a little bit and be like, well, you know, but, but he gives money to charities and <laughs> stuff like that, tries to help little black kids, you know what I mean? Not not go down yeah. the, the lane of crime, but it's still yeah. like, there's that part of you that's just like, like, is there a better way to write these characters? Is there a better way? Do we live in a time now where we expect these superhero characters to be, to think about these things? Is, is it enough to watch uh, Batman punch someone in the face uh, uh, yeah, and then be like, oh, I'm good? You know, like, do we need these characters um, to show some responsibility uh, toward actually making some kind of change? Like, for me personally, that's what I like to see in these characters just because. I've read a million Batman stories of him punching people in the face. Yeah. Uh, so it'd be nice to see something different. It'd be nice for him to s- see this problem and solve it in a different way. Um, but uh, interesting to see what you guys see, think about that. Yeah, uh, specifically with the Punisher, man, I think he's, he's, he's like, he's the embodiment of violence, right? And, yeah. and in some ways, the embodiment of American violence um, and what's, what's acceptable. Um, you know, I think about the two people that you just brought up, Batman and and uh, and the Punisher, both whether whether we we recognize that the Punisher's um, methods and behaviors, you know, that he has you know, a mental illness, that he's he's incredibly violent for the sake of vengeance. He's still in the category of a superhero. Yeah, we still have him and Batman. And the message that's being sent is, and in, in his his skills, you know, are are strictly like him being a special ops soldier. But his skills are specifically using guns. Yeah. Um, so so what what's being communicated, you know, is that that um, guns make you a superhero, um, and and that billions of dollars make you a superhero, right? And what's being communicated even more is is that is that these both these characters are, are white. Affluent males. Um, well, not you know, Punisher. Well, not Punisher, but but they're yeah. both they're both uh, 
Let me say white. But but he, right? but he was uh, uh, he was I want to say affluent. He wasn't rich, but I mean you know he had he had a family and he was chilling until uh, some mobsters yeah. like, you know until he lit until he lived out this dirty hairy sort of uh, fantasy right power fantasy. But he yeah. was comfy. I'm sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off there. Well, I mean, like, everybody eats, eats the every every day. It really makes me wonder um, if if human nature is is just violent by nature, right? Like it, it exists. Well, I mean, we call it violent. Like our our consciousness allows us to name it this thing when we watch certain things happening in nature. But we, like you said, it's cathartic, it, 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 and we, in in some ways, we enjoy it. Like you know, being able to live through these these uh, storylines where he just doesn't care, right? Whereas like. You know, we're we're like um, this is the episode of The Office where where Michael where Michael's not caring, right? And and uh, there's a, he he goes and he makes a copy, and then Creed is like, yo, he's like, yo, there's no paper, there's more paper in the tray. He's like, I know, and he walks away. <laughs> and Creed's like, the, the next scene is Creed saying, man, this guy doesn't care about nothing. <laughs> but there's a little admiration yeah. in the way he's saying it, right? Yeah. Like. And, and so I think I wonder that, like, if, if in our, there's a piece of us that admires that ability, right? Mm-hmm. To, or those people that can that can switch into that mindset, right? Um, and, and almost like we we depend on them to do it so that we don't have to, yeah. um, or so that they remind us of that shadow part of ourselves. Mm-hmm. It's like it also reminds me of that that scene in The Dark Knight where they're on the boat and they have that that trigger. Yeah. Right. And that white dude has the trigger and and he wants to press it. He wants to press it, but he can't. Right. And the other dude and, and then Debo will be like, Debo's in there, too. And he's like, give it to me. I'll do what you can't do. Right. And everyone's expecting him to press the button. Right. And he doesn't. He throws it out. He, you know, we all know he throws it out the window. Um, but that that violence, that violence that lives and is it the violence that lives in everybody's consciousness and that violence that that it's just right at the door knocking. Um, yeah. I think that's what the, the Punisher represents. Yeah. What do you think, Jared? Well, I guess maybe I don't um, entirely uh, agree with, um, with, with you guys. Only because I have to admit that I really like the Punisher, but to me, I... I think Frankie's initial analysis is, is spot on because the thing about it is that the Punisher exists if he was picked in secret wars the beyonder would have put him on the side of the good guys right you know maybe you know because i mean also they did put magneto on the side of the good guys but i digress um but i think there's a space between the perception of of the punisher um as a good guy and how he actually exists as a character and the coolest thing the reason why i like the punisher a lot is because he provides more complexity as a character and as, and as a story arc or the center point of the story arc than virtually any other person in the, in the, in the Marvel universe. Right. You know, the only person that was close for a while was Wolverine, but Wolverine's just full on an Avenger now for the most part. He doesn't really have the edge that he initially had. Deadpool's kind of close, but the jokes um, tend to mute some of the seriousness that Deadpool could have. But what I like about Punisher is that, in in within the books within the pages he's never been portrayed as a hero punisher doesn't see himself as a hero the punisher is a broken man that's the story they're trying to tell you they're trying to tell you that this is a broken man he's not out 
to create the order that Batman's trying to create, not to necessarily to create the safe environment that Spider-Man wants to create. He's there to do what he believes is justice and justice to people that he believes take advantage of their power, right? In many ways, he kind of represents um, the slave dream, right? When I say the slave dream, it's this dream that we all thought, think to ourselves, well, if I could go back in time, and bring some of these guns with me, well, shit, history would have had a dip, would have turned out a lot different, right? And in many ways, Punisher kind of represents a small part of that, where it's like, you know what? I've got this shit, and I'm going to go get justice for my wife and for my kids that were killed by these people, by the mob, right? In many ways, I liked what they, what they did with him in, might be the only person here who likes it, but John Bernthal, oh, yeah. what he did with the Punisher... In that Netflix series, I can't imagine another person playing the Punisher better. And the way, the adaptation of that Punisher is the way I would want them to do it. That the Punisher, remember, his whole thing was that if I die, I die because I'm not a good person. I'm just here to basically bring the same kind of justice to these people that I also deserve. So there's no point in any of, of the Punisher books that I've read where the Punisher is necessarily even placed himself above the people that he's essentially killing and shooting. The only difference between him and is that he's also recognizes that he's also a part of the problem. But before I basically take my own life or basically, you know, commit Harry Carey. Can, can I, do you uh, think that, Oh, I was like, can I, 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 real fast. Just, uh, we were just saying, Jared, it reminds yeah. me. So a writer actually, his name's Matthew Rosenberg. Yeah. He wrote a, a run on the on the Punisher just recently, where he's talking to some police officers who actually have the uh, the pun his logo on, uh, yeah. uh, patched on their on their outfit. In and the he, in, the, in, in a comic book, uh, an issue of Punisher. I don't know which Punisher issue it is, but it's by a guy named Matthew Rosenberg. I just want to read it real fast because it kind of like says what you're saying. It's, yeah. He says, Punisher says, I'll say this once. We're not the same. You took an oath to uphold the law and help people. I gave all that up a long time ago. You don't do what I do. Nobody does. You boys need a role model. His name is Captain America, and he'd be yeah. happy to have you. There it is, yeah. Yeah. So... Yeah, I always I always love that he was his role model, the Captain America's his, yeah, his me role too. model. That's really good. I wanted to say though, uh, Jared, that um, one does does his awareness that that he's not trying to be a hero make him heroic, and and like two, I wanted to point out that like all the characters that you mentioned are broken men, right? So Spider Man's a broken man. Yeah. Um, Batman's a broken man. I mean yeah. that. That, and and uh, the difference is is, is the method, right? Because yeah. the the Punisher is you know using this ultra violence, but I mean, it's it's all of them using violence to try to find some sort of uh, reconciliation with yeah. what they lost. Yeah, you know? you're right. It's a way to reconcile their feelings of loss. I agree with you. And then, you know, I mean, so so Punisher's out here putting holes in people. But yeah. Batman beats people to an inch of their life, but he doesn't kill them. He'll break well, the bone in their body, but he won't kill them. See, but, but I think I think the difference there again, like, and and this is all. This there's been many iterations of Captain of, of the Punisher, but from the ones that I resonate the most with, at least, yeah. the difference between Batman and the Punisher is Batman says he's a good. Batman is like I am a hero. 
And I think maybe this is what Jared's also saying. Punisher would never say that. Spider-Man is broken. I'm a hero. You know, and they live by certain rules that they're trying not to, lines they're not trying to cross. Um, but the Punisher never says, I'm a hero, right? A, a good run of the Punisher, he's, he's, He's a sociopath, you know, he's a psychopath and he kind of knows it. And, uh, and, and, and he's doing the things that he knows need to be done. Even if those things are things that, um, you know, that, that aren't really acceptable, but it goes back to what Frankie was talking about last podcast. We're talking about Superman, right? Like the idea of like, what, who appointed him this sort of like judge, jury, executioner, right? Like, like, he has all this privilege to to make these decisions, but but who gave him that right, right? Um, and uh, but I think a good a good run of the Punisher, he's the kind of guy who says I don't really care about that right because I'm a bad guy. Like the Punisher, I disagree, Jared. I, I think if the Beyonder was doing his job, the Punisher yeah. would be on the bad guy side, right? You're the right. Punisher yeah. would he would he would be with Doctor Doom. He would because the Punisher is a villain like but he's just a villain that's doing the thing you you want to see you know what i mean he he's 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 shooting the dudes in the face that you know whatever but i mean like but he's a bad guy and 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 that's why when you see police officers with rock and his logo it's heartbreaking because it's like that's a that's a bad person that you're you're wearing the logo of someone who takes justice in their own hands and mets it out to people without any, you know, uh, any kind of like consequence or, or it's, it's, it's heartbreaking seeing that. So here's the thing about it is, is that, you know, I, I, I agree with you on all of that. My defense of the Punisher is not the defense of the Punisher person, but defense of the character in the comic right. as a character study. Because I, I I love the comic book as a character study. This is a person. Because the thing about it is like what Frank was saying that all these other guys are broken, but this is a guy that broke completely, right? Because there's a um I don't remember if you remember in um was it secret secret invasion, not secret invasion. What's post secret invasion with um Norman Osborn? Are oh, you talking yeah. about uh, Dark Reign? Takes over. The Dark Reign stuff. Dark Reign. How come I couldn't? Yeah, where Norman Osborn becomes the the head of Shield and like the he- yeah. head cop of, of of America, the world, I guess. Exactly. Well, I don't know if you remember, but he one of the people I was working with him was the Red Hood, right? And so the Punisher was the most effective person during that series at basically combating the Dark Reign, right? He's just he goes after the Red Hood. He's just throwing like wrenches into everything the Red Hood's trying to do. He's just blasting cats, killing the Red Hood. So what the Red Hood decides to do to get the Punisher off his back is he uses the magic of what well, that red cloak he has, and he brings the Punisher's wife and kids back. I don't know if you guys read that series, but as soon as they come back to life, the Punisher walks in the door, and the, um, his wife and kids are there. What does the Punisher do? He shoots them and then blows them up. And the Red Hood is shocked. He basically looks at him and goes, that was actually your wife and kids. What are you thinking? And the Punisher basically says, I don't deserve them. And goes about his business of shooting and killing people. The thing about it is, is that I guess maybe, and we can differ on this, is just I like when I I feel like most of the writing with the Punisher has been consistent. That this is not a man who is sanely approaching his job, right? But he is consistently approaching it. And I don't think those two things are necessarily mutually exclusive, right? That you don't have to be sane to do your job well. And that's what he does. And I like it as a character study that there's a degree of consistency in this, no matter who comes into his life, whether it's Daredevil 
whether it's Captain America, whether it's Spider-Man, all trying to preach to him to change. And I don't know. I, I think that he's different than some of the other people we're thinking of. Yeah, and don't get twisted. Like, I'm not saying we need to cancel Frank Castle, right? Like, like yeah. I, I, I agree with you. He's a very interesting character. I, I, I think, I, I guess what I'm saying, what I'm talking about is just the idea. I think his perception is twisted, right? Like, uh, like Frankie was well, saying, like, was like, like, just like, he's, he's still seen as a hero. Like, he still yeah. crosses those lines. He still yeah. does all this stuff. Yet people still see him as a hero. And and I think that is the the thing that I have an issue with, right? That's look, the part I'm fan, where I'm, I'm like, I'm a fan of the comic. Was that? I was gonna say, look, I'm a fan of the comic, and I have to, my initial when people tell me this, I'm saying you're reading the comic book wrong. The way to read the comic book is to read him as someone who's broken, but at the same time to deny the Punisher. And I know that you and Frankie aren't saying let's cancel the comic book, but there's a part of me that feels like to deny the Punisher is to deny. Um, the existence of those feelings. That's like what Frankie was saying, you were saying as, something as cathartic. To deny him is to, de to deny the notion that there are people that reach this limit, which we know in real life, there are people who reach you know, mass shooters, right? That reach, to some extent, the same thing or the same place that the Punisher gets to. You know, when, when, uh, I, when, I, when I see a black man get his neck uh, leaned on or knelt on for eight minutes, I kind of, you know what? There's parts yeah. of me that's like, maybe I need to get a gun and start going yeah. crazy on somebody. You know, it, it all depends on the perspective, right? Like, who's yeah. being oppressed? Who who are you shooting in the face? You know what I mean? Like, just just I, how frustrated are you? Yeah. I, mean, although, I, know, I know a lot of people who won't admit that they want, you know, that they're like, oh, I hate guns, but, you know, they'll say on a regular basis, I can't wait till someone shoots Donald Trump in the face or some shit yeah. like that. You know, yeah. uh, we all have those feelings. Real quick, you guys, I think I'm gonna I'm gonna have to balance. So you guys can carry off the carry on the conversation with without me. But there's one other thing I want to mention is I, which doesn't get brought up a lot of times in the books, but did once again get brought up in Netflix MCU. And there's I don't know if you guys actually saw. I know a lot of other nerds did not like the Defender series, that eight series, uh, uh, eight episode series. But there was a moment in there where Danny Rand is going around there's two parts that luke cage has which i think luke cage did a good a good idea a good job of portraying street level violence by superheroes right and almost none of the luke cage series did you see luke cage just kicking the shit out of people right because luke cage understood that he was far more powerful than people he would do the coolest thing most of the time he would just take his two fingers and just tap him on the head and cats would go unconscious it was almost silly the way he would do it but at the same time, it was kind of a recognition in the Luke Cage series that, okay, this guy is so powerful, more powerful than the dudes he's meeting on the streets, that there's no need um, to just, you know, wail on these dudes. By the way, another thing I dug about the series is that Turk from the comic books oh, managed yeah. to oh, get yeah. all these series. That's actually kind of yeah. fresh. I, you know, I wanted to point out real quick before, before uh, but I, I lose my thought before Jared leaves, um, is, is that what comes to mind to me with the Punisher and actually the, all the rest of the Marvel superheroes is that he's allowed to do what he does, right? And I think about this, this narrative talking about, oh, it's just one bad seed, it's just one bad cop. Um, yeah. But these superheroes, there's all these superpower superheroes who can take him out, you know, because he's not a hero. Yeah. Because whatever for whatever reasoning he has for doing what he does, it's still murdering. You know, yeah, sort of enabling him to do hundreds, those things. Yeah, hundreds of people. Yeah. Right, right. Um, and they, they turn the other way. They turn the other cheek, you know. And it's it's it it just really, you know, for it really reflects the, that narrative of oh, is there only you know it's like one bad seed. It's like no, it's it's a it's a it's a broken system. 
yeah, it's okay. a broken system that 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 the Punisher exists in, that it's allowed this way, and and I'm not, you know, I just wanted to point that out. No, no, that's cool. Well, I, I mean, I, um, I just want to finish this thought real quick, and I, I, I appreciate that, Frank. Um, is that um, there was a part in that's in the Defender series where Danny Rand is just, you know, he's he's trying to find the bad guys. He's traveling the world. He's kicking ass. He's beating the shit out of people. And the first meeting between him and Luke Cage, you know, they fight. Obviously, that's the way comic books work, especially Marvel. You know, the the conversation they have is he's like, "Hey, man." Why are you beating up these people? And Daniel Rand says, well, they work for the hand. And Luke Cage says, well, this is just some kid from the neighborhood who's looking for a job. The, and he didn't even know what he was doing. And the hand was just hiring just regular dudes. You're just beating up some kid who's a poor kid from the neighborhood who's just trying to find his way. Yeah, maybe he's cleaning up dead bodies for the hand. But does he deserve to get his ass kicked the way that Danny Rand was, was basically leveling it out at him? And there's a second scene in there where Luke Cage also comes back at Danny Rand and says, you know what? Despite all the ass kicking, in spite of the iron fist you have, you had power before all this start. You're a billionaire. You know, you have more power than all of us before we even started on this endeavor to figure out the hand or stop the hand. And, you know, I thought those were two pivotal moments within the series that, you know, two, you know, two moments that I remember more than anything else because they kind of dealt with this violence or at the very least, what? privileged violence right Danny Rand said I'm the immortal iron fist therefore I can kick as much ass as necessary to get to this one spot to get to this spot where I actually you know fulfill my destiny and defeat the hand and I think in, in many ways yeah he wasn't necessarily killing people but violence in you know just that kind of violence meted out without any forethought is almost as bad as the killing right I mean yeah, granted yeah. you know I think people would like to have their life so I'm not going to compare it as a one to one comparison but I think that that does matter to some extent. And, and, you know, what you're saying is true. Like, you know, you look at Luke Cage, it's like, he's almost like, you know, policing has become so militarized, right? It's become so, uh, all right, oh, Jared's out. Uh, peace out, brother. Oh. oh. <laughs> Finally. Dramatic <Fuck>. exit. <laughs> Am I right? Finally. Woo! Just, it's, just, it's just the best of us now. You know what I mean? We dumped the dead weight. Just me, brother. Um, it was getting kind of confusing. Yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. Because sometimes you say Jared, I'm like, we got, we got, we need nicknames. You guys got to use my mutant name. I'm just a nerd master general now. Uh, uh, one of you, J Rad, and the other. Jared. I'm telling you, he's cool, Jared, and I'm lame, Jared. LJCJ. That's it. That's perfect. Let's do that. He hates CJ though. I don't know why he hates CJ. It stands for cool, Jared, but <laughs> whatever. Um, but um, yeah, yeah. Well, I'll just, you know, on his note, just about Luke Cage. Just being someone like you want to see that from your protectors, right? Like, like you know, to protect and serve, right? Like you, you want someone to do that, to protect you and to help you. Uh, whereas, you know, most superheroes, I think, are just they they don't do that. They beat your ass, right? And that and that's just the tenor and sort of uh, tone of heroics for a while now, right? Like I feel like ever since like the '80s and Dirty Harry, I feel like that's what comics and TVs and movie shows have been about of like of like these guys who don't solve problems with their minds are are by de-escalating um but by you know by kicking niggas asses right and like but but then I look at something like Sherlock Holmes and I'm thinking that's the kind of hero that I'm talking about right the kind of guy who's like using his mind or whatever um 
like I said, I look at something like Batman, and I just sort of like I love Batman. He's one of my favorite characters. But I mean, you you think about that character, you think about what that character, what you can do with that character, and the idea of like I'm a billionaire, I, I have the capability to literally change the world that I'm living in in the best way possible, and and to the, and still his best idea is let me dress up like a bat and kick the shit out of out of poor people essentially right like like that's what he does right which um, is which is still like this again the narrative that if 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 you have power you can make decisions for others yeah yeah right? yeah bat, batman's biggest superpower is that he's a multi-billionaire yeah exactly right? which is yeah. which is re- which is a reflection of what's happening in the world yeah. You know, we have these one percenters making all these decisions that affect the lives of everyone else. You know, and that's you know that's a very large narrative in in comic books. Now, I mean, I, when we look at it that way, right? Like, we wanna we wanna look at our we wanna look at to heroes. We wanna see people that that inspire us to do better and that you know help our communities. But these heroes are are using violence um, to push their to push their own philosophy on how the world should be, right, 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 and it's just and, and using the Punisher again is 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 um is just blatant, right, right, because he's doing the exact same thing that everyone else is, just ultra violent. And, and you're right, like just the idea of of he's he's being enabled, right? Like it's it's this feeling that like how I feel about the police, right? Because I I've been fortunate in my life where I've actually had too many bad experiences police officers right like they've been pretty friendly and you know whatever 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 i saw the chris rock sketch uh how to act uh when you get pulled over by the police and it's hilarious but uh i lived that as a truism in my life right um but like you get i got i always get the impression of like there's bad cops out there right like any job right like like you know, like when I worked at when I worked at a movie theater or whatever, there's always someone there who sucked at their job, right? Um, and you, especially when you have the kind of power and authority that police officers have, you need them to step up and say that's wrong. We don't approve of that. That person, you know, we need to change things or whatever. But instead, what we get is the thin blue line, right? We get we get a lot of we get a lot of cops kind of saying. He's a cop, so therefore I have to defend him, regardless of what he's done, right? And so what's happened now is we're in this position where so much bad shit's happened that now we're lumping all cops together, right? Right? Like now, like even the argument of like there's still good cops out there is an argument that a lot of people still don't even people you wouldn't even expect don't want to hear. And I and what you said about the Punisher and the hero sort of enabling him, sort of like turning their backs and letting him do the things he does, it kind of brings that to mind, right? This idea of like anyone, Captain America, Spider-Man, everyone is stronger and more powerful. They have more power and privilege or whatever than the Punisher does, but all of them allow him to continue doing the things he's doing because it makes their job easier, right? It makes their job easier to not call him on that, right? To like, it makes their job easier to just pretend like he doesn't exist, um, as opposed to um, confronting it head on and, and having to deal, you know. And not that I want every superhero story to kind of like, you know, have to talk about this, but at the same time, I feel like a lot of great Punisher stories are about just this, right? They're not well, afraid it, to it have. Also sh- 
Oh, yeah. sorry. Go ahead. No, no, no. Go, go on, go on, go on. I was going to say, it also shows that the rest of these superheroes recognize uh, that he's necessary within this system, right? It makes their job easier, so they look the other way because it's necessary. And again, I use the, you know, the, the parallel of, of, you know, of the police departments, right? And understanding the history of policing, um, you know, understanding that they were first, you know, created to, to hunt down slaves, right? Yeah. And that's still the root of, of that system, right? So, like, so when we say, you know, when we say, like, one bad cop or one bad seed, um, the question comes up in me, but aren't, are, aren't you responsible for looking, if you look the other way? Hmm. Like, if you choose to look the other way, because in the same way we're talking about the Punisher, where we're talking about it's, it's a necessary evil, right? It, it's necessary and it's going to make other people's jobs easier how many how many of these bad seeds belong to you know to different police departments and how many officers look the other way yeah you know? and you know I, I mean this that that's what i'm that's what you know that, that's the question that's coming up in me from yeah. from, from this conversation it, it's it's uh i mean it's a fair question you know and like it, it's it's easier the world is a a complicated fucking place, you know, and, and 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 that's sort of the beauty of a character like the Punisher is that he's a very complicated figure, uh, and even his place in the Marvel universe is very complicated, um, because and, and it's weird because it's complicated because it's so simple, right? Like there's not a lot of rules in the Punisher's head. It's not like it's complicated because he has all these things that he has to do. It's complicated because he is so simple. And he's so black and white. You did something bad, you have to die for it, you know? And, and and the world is never that simple, right? Like, like it's almost like confronting the fact that the Punisher just murders hundreds of criminals and thugs and muggers and whatever. You know, it's like, oh, now we have to talk about, well, why are those people poor? Why, why are those people even in doing this thing? You know what I mean? Why are they exactly. even in the, you know, and, and, and so... And at that point, it's just like, well, if you're killing criminals, then why aren't we killing Enron people, right? Why aren't we killing, you know what I mean? Like, why aren't we killing, um, like I said, it's complicated. Uh, and, and, you know, like I said, the best people to touch Punisher, they aren't afraid to touch on that. And and, and I, I, I hope, it, and I'm maybe I'm alone here, uh, but I do hope that we start getting more superhero stories are just stories in general, uh, you know, when it comes to about vigilantism or you know uh, power fantasies, or we start talking more about those topics um, and what justice, what real justice actually looks like. Um, yeah, I, I wonder what that would like. I, I asked myself what that story would look like. Like, what what would it look like if there was a story arc where the Punisher decided to empower people in an impoverished neighborhood to protect themselves? Right. Right. Where that was his his uh, redemption where this is where he found redemption was teaching empowering people to protect themselves um taking it back to superman like superman is is this he is is a giant gun right he's this, he's this all-powerful kryptonian who is a super genius yeah. you know who possesses information the only per, the only person on the planet who possesses information to an entire civilization that he came from that was that was entirely advanced and he chooses to use his superpowers 
you know, to fly around and, and catch falling planes when he could be leading, when he can be leading, you know, the world, you know, in education and, and medical breakthroughs and all yeah. of these things. And I know it would be a boring story, right? Like we don't want. It's not. It's it, the story is called. Uh, um, oh, it's called. It's the Grant Morrison one. It's called All Star Superman. You know, I mean, it's, yeah. it's literally called All Star Superman. It's about Superman leaning into his his uh, sort of subtitle, the Man of Tomorrow. You know, and he and he's he's someone who's like the. The best line of Man of Steel actually came from also Superman. Superman kind of talking about like, like I'm here to like lead by example. Like I'm here. I, I, that's why I'm here. I'm here to help humanity by leading by by being an example of what we can be. Right. Uh, and Superman, superheroes in general don't do that typically. Right. Like, but the idea of being this figure that's out there and changing the world and empowering people in a real way. Um, which is strange because in the worlds they don't do that, but in real life they do do that. In real life, these fantastical characters they inspire us. Black Panther's not real, but how many motherfuckers you see doing the Wakanda Forever feeling like, yo, let's do it? You know what I mean? Like, like, like those characters, even in the worlds they're in, while they're kind of impotent and they they're in this loop that they're always repeating that they can't change too much the world because then they're not the characters they actually are but in real life they actually have that potential and that power to change lives and to empower people uh which again as someone who just reads the stories i'd love to see more of that in the stories you know you have to admit that the thing with um black panther in the movie and i'll give ryan coogler um what were you guys saying i just want to say that jared just yeah. bamf- he bamfed oh, yeah. back in, man. <laughs> well, a, a no, came out of nowhere. We were like, well, who's this? <laughs> Cloak just came out of the darkness. <laughs> well, check, but the thing about it is, I went back out there. So my wife, ended, um, they ended up postponing their phone call. But um, I had to play with my uh, four-year-old daughter for a little bit. And she has this thing where she's several different superheroes at the same time. So anytime she wants to be a different superhero, she spins around the way uh, Linda Carter used to. Oh, that's beautiful. She'll spin around and she becomes <laughs> she becomes Supergirl. That's then she'll spin around and become Doctor Girl. And then the funny around. thing is, is that's my method too. <laughs> yeah, no, that's so I still do that as well. And I mean, oh, I'm nobody's here to that. nobody's here to no. fawn over me though. So. <laughs> I will, dude. That's still adorable. <laughs> I, I, I don't care who does it. That's an adorable shit right there, man. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, it's, honestly. It's, Oh, go ahead, Jared. No, I was going to say that um, I'm honestly right now about two and a half hours of every day. That's speaking cumulatively is devoted just to playing superhero with her. You know, because, yeah, she... Yeah. Go on. It's great. There's so there's superheroes for her to fuck with, right? Like like I'm sorry if I'm cussing too much. I'll I'll, I'll try to yeah. tamper that down. But but there's superheroes for her to look up to. Like I feel like, you know, I'm not sure if that would have been the truth uh, when she was, you know, when she if she was that age when we were that age. You know what I mean? Like like I think there's been a lot of progress there, and you know, it yeah. seems like the fandom has kind of been drag kicking and screaming in that direction a little bit. But we're all better for it, you know. It, uh, the the, 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 the our fandom. And the culture around it is just exploding uh, with all these different voices, um, and it makes the characters richer and, and better for it. So, do you, um, do, you, do, you do you think that Hit Girl from Kickass? Um, I'm just thinking about Jared and, and playing with his daughter, and essentially that's what what Big Daddy was doing with with Hit Girl. Yeah, but I, I'm not shooting her in the chest. 
Well, no. <laughs> I'm not putting a what a bulletproof yeah, vest on. Well, I mean, we don't see you, but one hour. I know, right? Yeah, I we'll might take be. word for it. <laughs> you might be, but, uh, <laughs> but no. But you know, he was filling her head with these ideas. You know, uh, of being a superhero, he was giving her the training. You know, to be this kick-ass. Essentially, she's she's Punisher. Um, she oh, she yeah, has yeah. the same skills as the Punisher, and she has this this imaginary ideology of what it means to be a superhero. But I don't think she ever calls herself a superhero either. Yeah. Um, you know, and, and they, they step into it in that same way, this like ultra violent um, solution to to a problem of crime which is which which they're committing themselves. I'm gonna go back to our last podcast real quick about dealing with that issue. That Christopher Priest and Cooler to the extent that he actually addressed the idea said in with Black Panther was riches of knowledge exist within Wakanda far beyond the rest of the planet. You guys haven't been sharing that. Even if you don't want to share it broadly, you weren't even sharing it secretively with people, as his brother said, who are over-policed. You know what I, I wonder, mean? So that was I wonder if Black Panther 2 could actually... My fear about Black Panther 2 is you have to address it, right? Like, like, yeah. like, like, and Black Panther 1, to be fair, did. And I was very surprised. Yeah. I didn't expect Marvel to, to no address way. the idea of historical and systemic racism, right? Um, but like, but I think in Black Panther 2, you kind of, kind of address the idea of like, here's a superhero who has the ability to change the world for the better. Yeah. How does you, how do you do that? And, and to some degree, that's kind of like, Solving that problem means there's no more superhero fiction, right? Like, if you solve the problem where they make a utopia where everyone is safe and everyone's represented and everyone feels like they're, you know, whatever, at some point it's like, then why am I reading this book? We're done, right? So yeah. they always have to find some way. So that's just part of what this is, right? But yeah. um, but I would love to see them at least give it a shot, at least attempt it, like, in, in the next Black Panther movie. Um, I wonder. Um you know, I mean, I think Priest, Christopher Priest got the ball rolling in his depiction of um, Wakanda. You know, when Black Panther was initially introduced in Fantastic Four, he used this African king who had this awesome medal and, this, and these super cool abilities, right? But it seemed that once it got to, like, the early 70s, throughout the 80s and into the early 90s, they were doing essentially nothing with Black Panther. I'm trying to think of a time that I gave a shit about what Black Panther was doing prior to Christopher Priest showing up. Well, that, that that was the fun of Christopher Priest, Priest run the character. Yeah. If people don't know, Christopher Priest, he was the first black writer to, to take on the Black Panther. And and that was what, in the late 90s, 98 or something yeah. like that. Uh, but he was the first black writer to write Black Panther for a lengthy, for a long run. Yeah. And, and he, uh, you know, when, when that arc started though, he treated the Black Panther like everyone else treats the Black Panther. Like, Black Panther is the king of the most technologically advanced society in the world, and they had some random white dude in, in a Miata pick him up from the airport. You know what I mean? Like, they didn't even have a limo for him. They're just like, yo, dude, just take your Miata, pick him up from the airport, yeah. and we'll, we'll just see what we can do with him. You know what I mean? Um, so that's definitely part of that sort of arc and sort of playing with those tropes of... of, uh, of uh, but that's the thing. It's like I feel like a black, black Panther has always been a character that they always treated. He never solved his problems by beating people up, and largely yeah. it's because he wasn't used very often. And when he wasn't used, he, he was getting his ass kicked. But even yeah. the last twenty years, like 
all the writers who write Black Panther, they come at it in a position where, like I say, he's not solving problems by punching people. He's solving problems yeah. because he's a genius, he's a king, yeah. and also he knows karate. So he, you know, so, so you know, if it comes to it, he'll punch you. But I mean, but yeah. but he's always trying to find a way to make it work outside of it. And, and, yeah. and so you know, that I think that's why that character is kind of like the antithesis of a lot of the characters we're talking about with like anti-heroes yeah. with guns and, and, you know, and part of it is by design, right? Like we're talking about before, there's a catharsis, there's a, there's a, you, you kind of like that violence and like getting into it. And there's something about our like primate lizard mind that kind of yeah. like just, you know, kind of likes violence, I guess. But, um, but like, yeah, like, but, but there's Black characters Panther. you want to see more from. I mean, Do we like, know that 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 T'Challa would be assassinated, or yeah. or the attempts on his life if he were to actually try to to affect the world with all his technology and positive, yeah. he would be like gone quick. But but that's the power of it, right? Like like because it's fiction, right? These aren't yeah. real, so it's like in real life, yeah, he'd be he he'd be dead as Tupac, right? But but like. Yeah. But in, in our world, but in the comics world, you can make those changes and he can live. He, 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 people could try to assassinate him, but he's the baddest mofo on the yeah. on the planet. You know what I mean? So, you know, good luck with that. You know, like, you get to yeah. tell well, those... Batman's going to hire Galactus to step on him. <laughs> yeah. Batman got enough money for that. Black Panther will figure out Galactus. Black yeah. Panther, I always say, Black Panther is black-ass Batman. He's Marvel's Batman. Like, that's... Black-ass Batman. Batman. I thought was cool. Was, was it in the priest run where they reveal that the only reason that Black Panther joined the the Avengers was to spy on the Avengers. Yeah. Was that in the priest run, I think it was? Yeah, that was. He didn't trust them. He was like, they're, they're, they're coming after me next, so I got to make sure I, I, I know what they're up to and I know what they're capable of. And Yeah, hey, I'm going to let you guys yeah, sign I, off. I'm going to bounce. <laughs> <laughs> We're talking about there's guns there's. and shit, and there's like, I'm going to talk about Black Panther right now real quick. Yeah, uh, like, went, a little bit of a side, a little bit of a side, but... <laughs> Sorry about that, you guys. No, 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 you good, man. Well, you know, I want to thank everyone for listening to Mutant or Minority. Uh, for myself, Frank Escamilla, uh, the Nerd Master General, also known as Jared Sams, Ooh. and also our boy Tendai Nayachoto. Um, he's been here all this time. He just wasn't speaking. He's not yeah, nothing to say. Quiet, yeah, Tendai. He's like he's like that ninja in the corner who just doesn't say nothing <laughs> until until he's you know until he slices you in half. <laughs> until he has to cut your head off. Yeah, no, he's like he's like true. a black bolt. Yeah, right. If he whispers, the world will end. So, what's his name? He's like Black something Blackagar. I think his last name was Blackagar, right? That's a great name. If my last name was Blackagar, dog, you kidding me? I'm in the world it. right now. No, you wouldn't, man. You'd be teased a lot. That's what it is. Jared Blackagar, are you? Oh my God, you kidding me, Mr. Blackagar? Uh, thank you guys for listening to Mutant Our Minority, and we appreciate you. Please um, find us on Twitter. Uh, find my man Frankie and and Jared Sams that is on Instagram and they're doing the they're doing they're doing the work there. Yeah, my, and, um, my Instagram is uh, so we actually we have a, a hell of a housekeeping. We have a yeah. Instagram for the podcast. You probably found this podcast through that Instagram, but it's uh, uh, mutant or minority at mutant or Our minority. Um, check and it you out. Can find us on the at mutantminority.com. And uh, please check it out and uh, come and visit us um, on another meeting. All right. Quest to find your voice. For some, it takes a lifetime. The search to find the voice inside that doesn't sound like the same old rhyme or cadence mind, but something different, something real, something people don't just hear, they feel. It's a constant test 
This self-realizing quest that has me digging deeply with my pen into my chest Trying to connect the meaning of my heart with the intention of my breath So when I speak, it's not just spoken word It's not just spoken word It's living word So that everything I spit becomes a verb and gives action Voice to everything action. that follows Not just serving hollow sounds or shallow grins but making music Like on the road or where the sidewalk ends